Welcome to a very special episode of Women Who Code Radio. I'm your host, Tara Hernandez, and today we're going to focus on two women who, before they were coding software, were coding music as professional musicians, a modern songwriter and a classical composer. Real musicians really do often have day jobs after all. We were just listening to a string quartet with piano, second movement, by our first guest, Emily Vamaka, and at the end of the show, we'll hear a little something from our second guest, Kelsey Crepain. Welcome, ladies. Thank Hello. you for having us. Let's go right ahead to hear about your backstories. It's very fascinating to me. And let's start with educational background. Neither of you got bachelor's degrees in computer science or any related STEM fields. Kelsey, what did you do when you showed up at university? Oh, well, I um, I went into college and that was the biggest, biggest accomplishment of my life um, to just to get into the University of Washington. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just picked a major um, went with it, majored, got a bachelor's in history, but I like to say that I actually majored in partying because that's what, that's what college was for me. As it is for so many. Um, and you got to the end of your college career and had your whole life planned, right? Oh yeah. I got to the end of college. And like I said, getting into the university of Washington was my biggest accomplishment up to that point, And I made no further plans. So I really, I graduated after four years and I just said, now what? I had no plans. <laughs> Just started applying for random jobs on, on Craigslist. Okay. Hold that thought. Emily, what was your path? Uh, well, I went to St. Olaf College in Minnesota and uh, majored in music theory and composition, which is uh, the analysis and writing of music, more or less. So I didn't know it at the time, but it's kind of like a cousin field to coding. Okay. I wouldn't say it's direct mapping, but there's a lot of similarities um, and was really keen on being a music professor for uh, during college and for a while after that. But you did not actually become a professor, it sounds like. No. So what did you do when you got out of college? Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> that, that requires taking a bit of a look back. Um, so I wanted to be a music theory professor that was going to take a graduate degree in music. And the right opportunity just uh, didn't quite come together for me for a variety of reasons. Uh, so I found other things to do while I felt in a way like I was biding my time waiting for something else to solidify. I was a music director at a remote retreat center. I worked as an intern for a record label. Uh, I gigged as a collaborative pianist. I worked as a piano teacher or just a church musician, and I did some concert coordinating, and I worked a lot of day jobs. That's a lot. So, Kelsey, what did you end up doing? I had uh, kind of an opposite experience of Emily's where I I applied to a bunch of jobs on Craigslist, got one, and stuck with it for 11 years. I was the uh, started as an office clerk and ended up being promoted to assistant manager of a parking garage for 11 years. And it was uh, kind of great. It was the quintessential day job, just uh, did my work, left my work at work when I went home. It was stable, low income, but steady income. And uh, it was really flexible, but it wasn't a passion. It wasn't something I would have called a career at the time. It was just what I did for money so that I could do the things that I loved that didn't give me any money. So Emily, you were still technically making a living with music, even though it wasn't the professorship you were hoping for. But Kelsey, all of your music happened, as you said, after work was over. So was it performing, songwriting? What sorts of things went into your version of the rock and roll lifestyle? <laughs> 
Well, yeah. Um, the rock and roll lifestyle I did lead for a while. Uh, I, uh, I played in a few different bands, some original uh, and then a really great cover band um, that I'm I'm very proud of. Also, like Emily, I did some church gigs. That's very common when you're playing piano. Uh, weddings, funerals. So common. Yeah. <laughs> weddings and funerals. And so help me, I will never do a wedding again, but that's that's another story um what about friends i make the exception for friends yes yes we make the exception for really good friends who are very forgiving i did some uh i played at some summer camps i had some really unique weird opportunities like performing children's sing-alongs at the pacific science center uh let's see i did manage to perform some of my original music at a wonderful charity called Dare to Dance in Seattle that they just want to encourage people to dance regardless of whether or not you have a dance background or not. Yeah, a lot of random little gigs like that and rarely anything but that paid more than gas money or paid in drinks. Drinks are good. Drinks are great. You did get one added benefit out of your budding music career, if I see here correctly. You got married. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, music led me to the true love of my life. Um, I was playing in a cover band. Um, actually, I, I hadn't even gotten into the band yet. I went to audition with a friend of mine who played bass. And... Um, as we were leaving the audition, I told her, oh, we, we have a problem. And she said, what? And I said, I think the guitarist is really cute. And uh, the band uh, ended up breaking up, but we ended up staying together. And now we've been married for almost six years. So it's a pretty good benefit. Sort of like the opposite of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, what was it about your career that you found fulfilling since you were able to actually make some money uh, supporting yourself in a musicianship? Uh, what were some of the motivators that kept you going? So I think when I launched out of school in my 20s, I was very much like, well, I'm going to be an academics. And, uh, you know, if all goes super well, I'm going to hang out in a bunch of concert halls. And it turns out that there's actually just not that many concert halls uh, in the real world. Uh what the real world has a lot of are living rooms and um, smaller spaces to throw impromptu concerts at. And that's where I did a lot of my favorite music making through my 20s. Um, I was working with an organization called Group Muse, which is an online platform that lets classical musicians play house concerts. And I did a lot of organizing and some gigging through them. And those were some of my favorite moments, seeing how a space that is super ordinary can become a space for music to exist in a way that feels a little more expansive than our everyday life and how to like facilitate that moment for people. Um, at, at the risk of being trite, it also sounds a lot like uh, what Carol King did leading up to the Tapestry album. I seem oh. to remember her talking about that. I love that. I'll take that comparison any day. Would that any of us have that kind of talent, right? But in your cases, uh, despite what I'm sure is a lot of effort and creativity around making a career in music, both of you did eventually decide to try your hand at something new uh, and did a code boot camp with the Ada Developers Academy. Kelsey, do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with that program? So Ada is not just a boot camp. It is a really community-focused program that wants to not just like 
teach you how to code and then send you on your merry way, but it wants to turn you into an altruistic software engineer who is going to be able to deliver great programming and code, but also collaborate with others, think about the ethics of what they're doing, and make a exponential difference in the industry. And the way that they do that is by cramming a lot, a lot of curriculum into a 11-month period where uh, students go through six months of uh, nine to five, but it's really 24-7 classroom experience. And then a five-month internship where we are also getting more education on the side during the internship. Uh, And the internships are with big local companies, um, very incredible, generous companies that are willing to devote time and money to helping this program, helping the students of this program be successful. What led you to think about learning how to code? Uh, What was your come to code moment, if you will? Uh, Yes, my, uh, my come to code moment. Well, again, I blame the music business because it was in the same cover band where I met my now husband, um, I met my now code mentor, who was the drummer of the band. And I found out he's he's a software engineer um, at a company up in Ballard. But uh, I was thinking about cool ideas for apps. And I asked him one day, hey, you should, uh, I have this idea for an app. You should build it. And he told me, why don't you build it? And that was, first of all, I learned very quickly, that's the question you never ask an engineer. Hey, will you build this for me? Um, but uh, so you he- to know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I was so naive. But he, he ended up kind of taking the reins in teaching me and leading me and showing me, hey, look what you can do with like just two lines of code. You can make something pop up on your, on your webpage. And um, I thought it was really cool. And I was just kind of doing it for fun for a bit. And then I looked around and saw, wait, people do this for a living. Oh, I could I could make this my career. Well, that's a pretty awesome intro. What about you, Emily? What got you interested in coding? Uh, good question. I feel like until I moved to the Pacific Northwest, I did not really understand that coding was a thing. Um, it wasn't It wasn't really in my vocabulary when I thought about things that I might be interested in or careers that I might um, look into. But then I moved to Seattle, started to meet some people who did this all day long and realized that actually a lot of my new friends were these type of folks. Uh, we all love doing crosswords, it turns out. And uh, <laughs> I, was, I thought, well, if they seem pretty happy in this profession, maybe I could be too. And I, the more I learned about coding, the more I saw some similarities to writing music, which is this thing I had spent a whole lot of time thinking about and studying. Well, in some ways, I guess they both have their basis in math. Yeah, totally. And we think a lot about uh, efficiency with both music and code. Like, what are your resources? Are you using them well? Do they balance each other? Um, does this thing hold water, more or less? It's kind of a, a question that we ask in both disciplines. Um, and there's also this idea of elegance. Like, how, how can you say what you're trying to say in uh, the most concise and maybe even beautiful way possible? And 
I found a book called Geek Sublime, and the subtitle is The Beauty of Code, The Code of Beauty. And it's all about uh, a novelist who's also a programmer who draws all kinds of lines between technology and art. And then I just got super interested. Um, and also I was kind of looking for what was going to be the right long-term hat for me to wear in the music industry and found that I was maybe running out of hats. And then why Ada for you? So I was lucky enough to run across someone who had graduated from Ada, and I saw in her a lot of the things that I really wanted for myself. Um, she was obviously generous because she was meeting with me, um, and she seemed to have the kind of momentum and uh, clarity about her career that I really sought, and the network of alumni seemed like a pretty cool club to be in. I think that both of us uh, came to Ada because we heard from someone else who went through Ada. And I think that for Ada specifically, that emphasizes this community aspect that most people, that most of our classmates came to Ada because they heard about Ada from someone else who went through Ada. So it's got this great reputation just from word of mouth through its previous graduates. It's hard to get better advertising than a satisfied customer. I didn't mean to turn this into just an advertisement for Ada. <laughs> That's okay. It's an important part of the story. Um, once you were at Ada, what were some of the biggest surprises you discovered along the way? Oh, well, I was very surprised to learn how much of my creativity, kind of like what Emily was saying, this musicality, all of these things that I treasure for being artistic qualities are completely applicable to programming. It's just as creative as any art and everything that I loved about music is also what I love about programming. So that was, that was incredibly surprising to me. It was also surprising to me that the things that made me good at music were also what made me good at coding. What's an example? That ability to think sort of thinking a couple of steps ahead of where you are right now and thinking where you need to be. Like if I'm going to do a chord progression from you know whatever chord to the next chord, there's a logical way that's gonna make that sound pretty. You're not just gonna go from like, a well, you can do whatever you want in music, but you wouldn't necessarily go from like a G chord to C sharp diminished chord and then to an F chord. Ooh, is that a challenge? <laughs> You're going to hear from some musician who's like, actually, uh, Tchaikovsky did that. But you, there's, there's a way to do things that is going to give you the best result. And you can get there if you are looking a few steps ahead. If you are looking at where you need to be at the end of this, everything you do between now and then needs to follow a logical progression or a beautiful progression. And yeah, when you... When you know what you're doing, you can improvise and create cool new ways of getting there. But if you don't focus on the full scope of the program, then you might make a mess of it along the way. That makes sense in a way I hadn't really thought of before. Um, what about you, Emily? What surprises did you discover? Oh, well, I'm going to jump off what Kelsey said. There's this definite element of craft uh, that music and coding have in common for me. And with music, there's the idea that like I'm not quite sure maybe eventually where I want to go with a piece of music, but I think I can get there. I believe in my craft. I think that I know I can navigate pretty well as a musician. And with coding 
having to like embrace that beginner's mindset all over again and realize like, oh, actually you have no craft. Uh, you are a total rookie. Every error the compiler makes is just a brand new mystery to you. And uh, it's going to be this way for a long time. And every time you get good at something, it's time to become a total beginner at something else. And so um, that feeling of pushing at the very edge of your understanding and maybe really feeling lost intellectually for the first time in years uh, was a tough feeling to get reacquainted with for me. But it makes it all the more rewarding when you feel like you have ground underneath your feet at least a little bit again, and you can begin to parse out where you are, where you're going, and what's in your tool set, and maybe even feel like you have a bit of a tool set again. So good journeys in exploring what it is to just have no idea what's going on again. Did you have the sense that your background in musical composition maybe helped how you approach the process of developing a software application? I think that there's this idea of conveying structured information that these two things have in common, that everything is units which divide into smaller units. And with music, like the smallest denomination is the individual notes. And with code, it's the variables that you're working with or the other like uh, control flows of the program. And so there's this idea that um, you can stack these finite things up in infinite ways, but you can always see the units that you're working with and you can kind of parse the structure from that base sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Like in code, you'll organize around data structures or maybe class attributes and methods if you're doing something like object-oriented programming. There's so many patterns that uh, that these things have in common. When we studied object-oriented programming and I heard the term composition, it was the big light bulb. Wow, I understand this because it's just like music. That the way that programming, that all of these things are composed to make a, the smaller parts make a greater whole made a lot of sense to me by relating it to music, just in the way that Emily was saying. Especially as you're both piano players. There's a lot more notes involved than maybe other instruments. Yeah. One of the other cool things about the ADA program is the opportunities for internship placement. Many boot camp programs do this, of course, but I'm curious to know what this ended up looking like for the two of you. Emily? So I'm interning with Google at Google Maps. And what are you doing for the Google Maps team? I'm working on the Android development team. Aha. So for anybody who has an Android phone, if they get lost, it's your fault. Feel free to give me a call. I can definitely help. <laughs> And Kelsey, what about you? Where, where did you end up? I am a developer programs engineering intern on Google's cloud DPE team, specifically working on serverless stuff. Being in DPE or developer programs engineering is kind of a specialized role. Uh, what is entailed in that? Being a developer programs engineer intern is cool because the whole purpose is that I have to learn a bunch of things in order to help other developers know how to use these tools and these platforms. And for someone, I came into this internship knowing zero about cloud technology. Like I was pretty close to being fooled by that April Fool's video that was like, yeah, we have cloud. It's actually the cloud. Like it's the clouds up in the sky. And I was like, wow, is that really how that works? But no. So it's it's been really an extra interesting challenge to both learn these technologies and kind of be responsible for being 
able to explain these technologies forward. All right. So you're doing your internships, the both of you. But then what are your goals for the future? Let's see here. Do we want to go music or tech? Why not both? <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I um, Obviously, the dream is to combine, right? Uh, so goals for the future tech-wise for me is I'm looking for my first full-time developer role right now, which is a pretty crazy ride considering that a year ago I was applying to Ada and have had some time to really consider what it is that I'm looking for. And I think the answer is that I feel like I've just begun learning. And so I'm excited to find an opportunity where I can just do that more and keep encountering new technologies and learning how they work. One of the nice things about being in high tech industry is it's definitely one of those industries where you never stop learning. Everything just changes so dramatically and so quickly. Uh, as far as music goes, I'm actually really curious to find that out myself. I think that I always kind of viewed music in the career space mentally. And so I'm curious to see what happens now that I no longer think of it strictly that way. So check back later. I'm curious to, I'm curious to see where I'll be too. Well, based on what I heard before, I do really hope that you keep oh, it up. thank you. What about you, Kelsey? What do you see for yourself in the future, either for tech or for music? Well, I definitely feel the same way as Emily when it comes to the immediate future that I'm applying for jobs. Hopefully, I'll get one. And uh, hopefully, it'll be one that, uh, like Emily, I want to keep learning. And like you said, this is the right industry to be learning constantly in. But... I would like to get a little more comfortable with just being a software engineer in the industry, working day in and day out, and knowing I want to feel comfortable as a software engineer before I start to plan my career, like my career path. So it'll probably be a, a year or two before I could finally tell you definitive, well, I know that I want to be a, you know, a Android engineer, or I want to be a, a site reliability engineer or something like that. But for now, I also feel really passionate about becoming an advocate, especially for arts in education and how that can intersect with technology. So like STEAM programs, I want to start working with that and help young kids realize that they don't have to be either or when it comes to arts or science. Because that was something that was big for me growing up. I, I was always artistic and I never realized that I could also be scientific or also mathematic. So I think that's something that held me back from ever even considering engineering or any type of STEM path. So I, I really want to be involved in things like, and even things like Women Who Code that say, hey, you can be both. You can be a musician and an engineer. Cheers to that. It's a weird and totally unnecessary dichotomy. <laughs> well, I hope hopefully you'll be pleased to know that there's actually a number of people that I know personally, and probably hundreds, if not thousands more who are doing exactly that, mixing their tech careers with their love of music or other arts. So I hope it's something you both continue to pursue because there's a lot of precedent for it. That's awesome. Cheers. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, Thank you both so much, Emily and Kelsey, for joining me on the podcast today. It was great to hear both of your stories, and I love hearing your music. I wish you both the best of luck in enjoying the experience of your internships as they finish up and all the success for your new careers. Thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, thank you. This was a great conversation. I hope you'll check back with us in five years. 
definitely want to try and do that, especially if we have something like the following song to look forward to. We close our episode with Seattle by Kelsey Crepain. It's hard not to love the blue skies above, but I prefer a cloudy shade of gray. Wherever every street has that syncopated beat, the rhyme and the rhythm and the tune to go with them. Chicago may be fun and Miami's got the sun and it's hard to get ahead of LA. And while New York's quite a show, there's no way I could go. Seattle's where I'm gonna stay. I'm sure those streets of gold are pretty, but nothing beats the Emerald City. I got no I'm going down here Rome's not for me No London or Perry And Hollywood is really passe If you want something new Then take my point of view Seattle's where I'm gonna stay I'm sure those streets of gold are pretty But nothing beats the Emerald City I got no code radio for more information about today's episode or to ask questions or submit ideas for future topics check out our show notes at womenwhocoderadio.blogspot.com to learn more about women who code a 501c3 nonprofit organization go to the main website womenwhocode.org or you can follow them on twitter at womenwhocode i'm tara hernandez at tequila rista on twitter and thanks for listening